The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations tournament. In and out, in and out, for the line! Leave your rivalries at the door and get the team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy matchday food and drink at your nearest Green King sports pub. Scores in the corner! The Six Nations and Green King. 18 plus, drinkaware.co.uk. Hi, it's Alfie here, the presenter of The Ruck. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you about Funding Circle. And to do that, British and Irish Lions, Saracens and England hooker Jamie George is alongside me. How are you, Jamie? All good, mate. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's good to have you with us uh, for The Ruck. Now, Funding Circle backs small and medium UK businesses with simple, competitive business finance. And Jamie is a Funding Circle ambassador because, Jamie, not only are you day-to-day a professional athlete, but you're also a business owner as well. Yeah, yeah. I uh, set up a business with a good school friend of mine about six years ago called Carter and George. Um, we're a physio business that effectively tries to deliver the same level of elite care that I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. So the link between physiotherapy and strength and conditioning and rehabilitation, etc. I've been looking for a physio. so I know a good place. I'll get your card after. Funding Circle has supported over 90,000 British businesses with £12 billion in finance since 2010. So, Jamie, simply, how have Funding Circle helped you? Well, obviously, they've got an amazing um, financial product. So um, our most recent venture is, is trying to grow the business as quickly as we can. We've got five clinics now and we're looking to push on. And obviously, we wouldn't have been able to do that without the help of a funding circle and um, the financial support that they were able to give us. So if you're looking to overcome challenges or push your business forward, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Hello, everybody, and thank you for subscribing to or downloading our free top-rated award-winning podcast, The Ruck. I spoke to my friend Caroline last night and she says that her and her boyfriend listen to the ruck in bed in the mornings. So I've sent them a copy of the Kama Sutra. (laughs) Ghosted by Owen Slot. Last week, we came up with some superb tips for you, which we left. We tipped Adam Hathaway's Greyhound Ninja Warrior. Uh, We gave you a tip. We fancied it in the national trial. Uh, It was at 33 to 1. We left that with you and then we found out no wonder it was 33 to 1 because it came sixth and last. Also last week, we previewed the Tyrrells Premier 15s, the opening game in the Women's Premiership. Sarah Mockford uh, of Rugby World warned that there would be a lot of one-sided games. She was especially worried about the fledgling, innocent Loughborough Lightning team, which was new. And she wasn't far off because Loughborough only won 46-12 over the weekend in the first week. So, uh, well done, Sarah. Uh, almost right. Um, introducing, first of all, the minor members of the panel, Owen Slot, rugby correspondent of the Times. Slotty, what nice things have happened to you since we were here last? Um, I could take a long run up at this. I, I, I saw two games over the weekend, and there's a lot of talk about um, uh, new young players and can you establish yourself, yourself earlier in the game these days because of the, the way young players are developed. So uh, Friday night, I was at Worcester 
And uh, after 10 minutes, Tom Heathcote, the Worcester 10, went off injured. And for the second week in a row, Sam Olver came on, 22 years old, couldn't quite break into Northampton Saints, transferred to Worcester, ho- hoping for his um, big start. The second week in a row, he, he really uh, fluffed his lines. Uh, he, he looked like, he, he's. I'm sure he's an absolutely spectacular young player, but he says two weeks in a row when clearly the nerves showed it was one of those occasions when you actually feel for a player after a while, maybe because he, he, he does look his age. Two days later, I was at um, the Wasp game, and there you saw this remarkable thing of an 18-year-old who actually could pull it off. Marcus Smith, he was made man of the match, not sure if he if he actually was the, the, the star of the show, but for an 18-year-old to, to run a game like that, wow, it was... Um, it was it was pretty special and and I loved the sort of the matchup with Danny Cipriani who was once in that position of the, the great young thing wasn't he and and in those closing minutes um, Marcus Smith certainly had the cool and calm to see it out so that that was just a really interesting experience comparing those two over the weekend. Alex Lowe of the Times, Alex, what was your glory day? I think Wednesday night uh, I was in your esteemed company, but that that's not why I remember it. Uh, we were at the uh, Jason Leonard's charity Lions dinner. We all spent the summer in New Zealand and came home full of the joys of the Lions and the Pinot Noir, Alex. And the Pinot Noir, Slotty. Um, kind of arguing that, that the Lions needed to, to, to grasp, the, grasp the metal and, and um, start the negotiations immediately while, while everyone's still buoyed by, by what they'd seen. Not much has happened since. But then we went to, to the dinner for the Atlas Foundation and on stage we had Sam Warburton who just reminded everyone again what a what a great bloke he is, what a great leader he is, what a great captain he is. Talked brilliantly about about the tour, about the Lions uh, concept, and, and told some old stories, which which some of which we'd heard, but just just about what the whole thing means to him. And clearly, the people in the room were starstruck by it. Jeremy Goss got cut up on stage at one point. He made kind of the only real political point, which was that the only people who don't seem to get the Lions are, are the clubs, the club owners who who have their own their own interests. And I, I just I just left sort of feeling uh, emboldened again about about what the Lions is and actually just enhanced that really they need to they need to get a grip now while, while it's still fresh in people's minds and and make sure that the next tour is given every chance and and to actually take it to the to the clubs and say listen this is what this is what we needs to happen it's such a, a focal point of of the rugby calendar the pro 14 have already said they will move their calendar to facilitate the Lions tour and, and the Premiership needs to do the same right so two very worthy ones there not salacious or scandalous at all our third guest, um, the reason why we're all wearing jackets and ties in this um, studio is we're in the presence of rugby royalty, a winner of over 70 caps for England. She's played in four Rugby World Cups. She's the captain of the Harlequins team, which has just kicked off its season in the new Tyrrells Premiership. She's a former RPA Player of the Year. She is on the rugby committee of World Rugby, which in many ways is the most significant body in the game. Rachel Burford, mum, um, um, <laughs> may uh, we, I'm unsure of the protocol, but would it be okay to call you Rachel? Yeah, I'll be happy with that. Thank you, mum. <laughs> could you tell us something great that's happened to you in the last uh, in the last week or two? Um, well, I've been lucky enough to actually get away from a little bit of rugby after the World Cup and I've been travelling along the west coast of America with a friend of mine. But since returning from then, trying to answer messages from the World Cup and I came across quite a few messages from mothers of young children, boys and girls, and just telling us, telling me how inspired they were throughout the World Cup and 
you know, the impact that we've made on young kids and to come back from, you know, a break from rugby and then to recognise and realise that, you know, although we didn't come back with the gold, we've still made a big impact on young boys and girls in the country. And that kind of was a bit of a proud moment for me um, hearing that. That's uh, wonderful. Much better than your two, lads. Um, mine was uh, very simple, actually. It was the 124 shots on goal that Spurs got against uh, Swansea. If they'd put one in the net, it would have been even better. Guys, this week, one of the great stories was that crowds went to games dressed as empty seats in fancy dress. In Philadelphia, there was a very, very small crowd, way below what we expected for the Newcastle Saracens game. And in Port Elizabeth, um, for the Leinster against Kings game, an absolutely, well, probably even a non-crowd. It was meant to be something like a 1,000. It looked to me like about 250. Um, Owen, oh, uh, disappointing. I think, uh, did we, are we searching for the point of these games that take place in America now? I think we know what the point is. It's just um, a complete and utter failure in executing what's a, what's a reasonable plan. How many? How many did they have in the crowd the previous year in New Jersey? Was it fourteen thousand? Fourteen thousand. So that's a reasonable base. So they then decide to move cities, go to a new crowd into a into a city which uh, doesn't have quite the same roots or rugby that that uh, that they'd been to before. They didn't build on something they started with. They start, tried to start afresh. Uh, I I don't know what's so, so it's not out of ten for marketing. They must have paid some marketing company to try and ship people in. They're not stupid. The whole world's trying to get at this American market, and maybe we're all just grabbing around too much trying to recreate or rebuild or or, or whatever. And maybe it's not quite what we think it is. But there's something there. It's, I mean, it's it's got to be worth shouting at. But just do it properly and do it at the right pace. And you have to make it look good. It's got to seem like a big thing. And I mean, it's 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 just it's just step one of 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 trying to establish something like this. If there's empty seats, then you've got to know in advance, you've got to pipe people in, kids who might enjoy it, and make it look like a good show. So the following year, more people are going to go, oh, I want a bit of that. I mean, I actually think it's a disgrace what happened. And uh, they're, they're going to go back again next year. And there's just no excuse for it to happen again. I think the, the other thing is, if Newcastle had played Saracens at home in front of their crowd, they may well have got some a bonus point. But Alex, um, at least that's just a missionary thing. I mean, the, the Port Elizabeth occasion was was a league game. It was their bread and butter. It must have been chilling to have so few there. Oh, it was a, it, that was embarrassing. And, and I think Martin Anai from the Pro 14 um, has he's very bold in his ambitions for that league. He's pushed this through very quickly and. You talk about a marketing failure in, in, in America. It was desperately awful in, in South Africa. Colleagues from Ireland who were over there could count could count the attendance in this, this vast stadium. It wasn't the 3,000 they it said def- it was, was it? It definitely wasn't the no 3,000 that they said it was. And that, that's a shocking start. And just on the American front, Slotty talked about doing it at the right pace. I noticed that um, there was a, a Major League Soccer game in uh, Atlanta uh, this weekend that had 70,000 people at it. But they've been banging that drum for 20, 30 years in America. And soccer has the benefit of being a huge, huge high school sport for men and women, for girls and boys who grow up loving the sport. Rugby is trying to come in at the top. Um, and I, I, it's not going to be an overnight success, but it, but to, to have less than half the crowd they got from two years ago when they were in Boston is a shocker. Rachel, um, it didn't attract you at all because you were actually in America and you still didn't didn't go to the game, which I thought was very poor. But <laughs> um, did, 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 yeah, did, did you uh, get some sort of sense of um, the disappointment from uh, the tiny crowds? 
Yeah, I think, you know, as the guys have said, it, it seems to be a missed opportunity there. We know how fast growing um, the sport is in America, um, but they do have a lot of competition with other sports there as well. And I think there is still great opportunity there, but it's just got to be done right and, you know, driven in the right direction. You, we were talking earlier um, off air, as we say in broadcasting, about um, the American women's game. And I was saying that actually it does seem to be a little bit better organised. But your point was that they over there they haven't got quite as much competition from these massive sports. Yeah, I think if you look at um, you know NFL, it's it's the number one sport out there, and rugby has a huge thing competing with that. Um, but at the same time, it's still trying to really grow both um, the sevens and the fifteens game, and I'm sure they're going to get there. It's just going to take a lot of work um, to invest in it at the right time, and you know having these showcase games over there, such as Saracens playing Newcastle, we need to get that right because then that will you know encourage the growth of the game within their own country. Well, well said. We're just going to go on now to the the to the uh, is it Tyrrells or Ty Tyrrells? You struggled this last struggled with this last week. Anyway, what we did, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sultan Championship. I think it's Tyrrells. I'm really Tyrrells. sorry if it's not Tyrrells is fine. What we did establish last week on a blind tasting is that Tyrrells crisps are much, much better than soggy Gary Lineker's crisps. You're on Gary's case again this week. No, but I mean, the no, crisp, seriously. there's no comparison with he, the crisps. Was he not once a, 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 a Tottenham Hotspur striker? No, yeah, but I mean, he's on one and a half million pounds now, so that's why I don't like him, and he still wants to do a Walker's crisps ad. OK, the the, resu the results, just very, very briefly. Sometimes he's cheerful, but oh, today he's coming <laughs> like anyone getting close to what he earns, does he? He doesn't like anyone getting close to what he earns. Loughborough beat Worcester. If you just let me get back to the point, thank you. Loughborough beat Argentina yet today. Christmas beat Worcester. Happens. We're in all sorts of trouble. Look, I don't have to do this job, you know. <laughs> Loughborough. It's my day off on a Monday, by the way. Loughborough beat Worcester. Saracens beat Waterloo. Harlequins beat Wasps in the presence of of uh, Rachel. Gloucester Hartbury beat, beat Darlington Moden Park. Richmond beat Bristol. Rachel, you weren't playing because you're in a stand-down period after the World Cup, but how momentous was it to see your girls play in a premiership, obviously have a quite a close and competitive game? Just just give us a flavour. Yeah, I think it was it was really interesting to see how the girls went. Um, obviously, they've had a really good pre-season together with a lot of our internationals away. They also had a pre-season friendly against Wasp, which they lost heavily to. So they um, they kind of wanted to come back and be the better side on the day. It was a really good matchup between both sides. I think um, Quinns in the first half gained most momentum and got Wasps on the back foot. And then in the second half, um, Wasps came out a completely different side. I don't know what Giselle said to them at half time, but they came out with a strategy that worked. And we kind of couldn't get out of our 22, but at the same time, Wasp were struggling to capitalise on on those opportunities. But through some both um, really good back play, um, both from Quinns and from Wasps, they kind of got on the, got us onto the back foot and came back very within close margin. And to, to score in the final play to get themselves a bonus port was a real good credit to them. It was a really exciting game, to be honest, because I think, you know, with all the internationals away, it was a really good, fair, even matchup. So it could have gone either way. And I think I mentioned to um, you guys earlier that I think if there may have been 10 more minutes in that game, then Wasps might have actually taken it. Did, did it have a, a a real sense of something new happening to you? Yeah, you know, something of of a, a Rubicon being being crossed. Yeah, I do. When I turned up, there's obviously the banners of the Tyrells um, 15s Premier 
um, all around the ground. You know, there's lots of more management and staff involved now. Um, and there's just a real buzz about it. And there was lots of people like, watching and being a part of it. There's lots of social media all building up around it. And you do really feel this is a, a new thing in the sense of, you know, it's going to be in a very exciting year. The the um what happens is that the, the, the girls from now on with the with these ten teams they get great backup they get uh, S and C they get better coaching backup the whole thing is, is is far more geared to excellence and they're bound to improve but still um it's still amateur uh, for the foreseeable future is that a, a happy compromise for you so at least the girls are getting the chance to improve. Yeah, I think, you know, this has given a lot of girls the opportunity to be the best amateur player that they can be, you know, having the opportunity to have a strength and conditioning coach to write a program for them that's catered to them, to have physiotherapy available to them to, you know, get them back quicker from injuries or to to keep them in the best shape they can, to have coaches, um, the opportunity to, to work with them closer and I think it's definitely going to raise our game because you know it's not just the elite level that's being looked after with all of those elements it's going to be everybody on the ground and now we've got a lot of players and a lot of teams that are striving to be in these in these teams in the Premier 15 teams which is only going to increase the standard across the whole country across all the leagues not just in this league here so it's a real positive step and you know the three-year investment from the RFU I think is really really good it's kind of the the next direction that the women's game needs to go and then hopefully you know we'll see where we are after three years of this um league oh and you've got a bone to pick with with rachel about um, richmond players I'm not taking on rachel on on air well look you mentioned it last week the, the last week i did it because she wasn't up, here fr- i know that here, so you hide front, the table, front up you? and have the, you've got a big issue with it haven't you so rachel how, how many <laughs> how, how many of your queens players are, are former richmond players um, depends what you define by that, because many moons ago I was a Richmond player as well. Okay, now, uh, so so uh, so I'm I'm a member of Richmond, and, and as you know, there's a, there was a lot of un, unhappiness a couple of years ago, and uh, a whole troop of the Richmond yeah. players left via Ailes, Aylesford to um, mm-hmm. to Quinns. Um, so, I mean, do you feel ethically sound with that, or no? I think you know it. The circumstances that they were, it's probably a lot of things could have been done better. Um, but at the same time, Alsford and Harlequins were trying to establish, you know, a really good setup in the lead up to this year, um, which provided opportunities for other players to enhance their game sooner than potentially waiting until this year to maybe move clubs. But if you look across all the clubs, so many teams have had um, players interchanging in them. You look at Gloucester, Hartbury, so many players from Worcester have gone across from there. If we talk about Litchfield, where a lot of those players have had to move to um, and same with Bristol and Saracens there's been a lot of movement around and that's just to suit the person and the individual to what they need and what's going to be best for them and you know Richmond have, have started their season really well with winning at the weekend against Bristol who were in the, the final last year of the, the Prem so I understand completely where you're coming from and how things could be done um, better in, in light. But I think at the same time, you know, players know what they need and if there's an opportunity there for, to make them a better player, then they're going to jump at that. Alex, is uh, Slotty a hidebound old winger who should get with the modern game or, or not? Uh, of course he is. Of course he is. No, I, I, I just <laughs> had a question my, about... my supportive yeah, colleague yeah. <laughs> talking there. Uh, I just had a question about... Um, I was lucky enough to be in Belfast for, for the, the semi-final day. Sarah Byrne had a came on had a, had a great game that day, and um, I appreciate the contracts thing is is awkward for players to talk about. But specifically on on those young sort of 
props, front row forwards who won't be professionals with, with England now. Is, it, is the, the league going to be of a good enough quality to help them develop at the pace that, that everyone would want them to develop over the next two years before 15s becomes a, a, a real priority again? Because that was one of the concerns that I sort of left with, that you know, seeing these young players coming through who, who aren't sevens players, you wonder where they might feature over the next couple of years in terms of their development. Um, I think it's important to recognise that the 15s programme isn't disappearing and there's definitely going to be a big influence. We've got Autumn Internationals and Six Nations where, you know, players like Sarah Byrne will get a lot of um, opportunity there, but also they'll be coached well by the England coaches and not just at club. And I think the investment that the RFU are trying to build with this new league and obviously the contracts not being available for the England players is that they're trying to, they have given us a platform to be the best that we can be in, in the best circumstances whilst trying to bring up the rest of the game. And we kind of, we need to bring up that level because we're only seeing the one and two players of Sarah Burns. We're not seeing five or six of those girls coming through, which is what we need. We need, you know, these clubs to start producing future talent of, you know, Lots of players, not just, you know, all of a sudden there's a one player who's a prop and it's Sarah Byrne. We need to see five or six of those players. And, you know, same with like the Megan Joneses. We need to see four more, four or five more of those players coming through at one time as opposed to, you know, we kind of wait a very long period until one of these girls shines and comes through. And hopefully that's what this league is going to do. And this league is going to be highly competitive. And I don't doubt that anybody um, is going to be taking a backward step. Right. Well spoken. Just, um, uh, just moving on now um, and not intruding on uh, private grief, Rachel, the, we all watched the World Cup final. And what I'd like to do is um, to get Owen a quick view, Owen, Alex and myself, a quick view on what we thought was the crucial factor. And then we'll see if um, we'll then go to uh, Rachel to see if, to find the official view. So Slotty, you were, you were there, very disappointing, but why did England not play as well as they could for a start? They... Um... They didn't make their dominance, their early dominance, tell sufficiently. Uh, for, for me, that was it. Uh, primarily, the last five, ten minutes of the first half, uh, New Zealand were really rattled, it seemed to me. Um, they, they lost their composure. Uh, and uh, Tell me if I'm wrong, Rachel, but for me, that was that was the moment to foot on the throat, go for the jugular, kill it off. I... I, I I would imagine you'll be looking back on that period of the game and and think that that was where the World Cup went. Okay, Arthur. Well, it's, I, I can't really put my finger on on, on much else other than than that England was was so good in that first half, but probably didn't go into into the interval with with the scoreline that that I'd have thought you'd have wanted, and with a team of New Zealand's ability and allowed them to stay in it and gave them a chance, and they came out with with the power um, second half and and controlled, dictated proceedings and um, I'd imagine that England were kicking themselves for for, for not making that, that first half uh, dominance count. I, th- I think that, uh, that, that even that, even when the first half dominance not reflected I, I thought actually that New Zealand decided to go round the corner, round the corner, round the corner and they kept the ball, kept the ball. I just think England needed to stand off some of those breakdowns and counter up with two or three to try and turn the ball over later in the phases because it was just sort of inexorable. But it was really easy to play that game from the touchline and in the stands. How does it, it sit with you, Rachel? Um, you know, I don't think this is the official view, but it's but my personal view. I think I agree that we... In the first half, we, you know, I was saying to Stephen earlier that actually 
I never felt quite under pressure. I didn't feel worried. I just felt that we we had control in that first half and may not have been the scoreline that we wanted, but it, it still felt very in control and felt that we we had the opportunity to to keep putting the foot down and to to beat them. I think the problem that we had is we would gain momentum, we would score or get really good field position, and then we would straight away give it back to them, whether that being a knock-on or be that a penalty or anything like that. And you just can't do that against such a quality side of New Zealand because you give... Um, New Zealand a sniff of an opportunity and they take it and then they they kept the pressure on and as you say they kept the ball really well and we just couldn't get it back in that second half and their momentum kept pushing on and, and we just couldn't shift the momentum from them they played a really smart game played really tight played around the breakdown retained the ball and um, kicked really really well put um, our back three and our midfield under a lot of pressure and, you know, it was a game of two halves. I think, you know, it's cliche as it is. We we definitely had the pressure on them in the first half and then we, we let them dictate the game in the second half. And whether we thought it was job done by half time, I can't imagine anybody's mindset was like that at all. But we certainly needed to come out all guns blazing and be in for a fight. Rachel, do you, do you take anything away from the fact that uh, the next day in the in the media or that night in the media for the next couple of days... There was a very, very broad reflection that that had been one hell of an occasion. It was, I mean, for me, it was, I just, I was so, so pleased I that I was there. D- does that mean anything to you a few weeks on or, or, or has that phenomenally competitive, ambitious side in you just not been able to address that yet? I think initially in that moment, you, you kind of just reflect in on your own game and the team and what we didn't achieve as such. You know, we set a goal to to come back with the World Cup. And so I, th- I think short-sighted, you probably don't recognise that. But certainly, you know, having time away from um, rugby and and looking back on it and hearing all the stories about that, you know, how great of a test match it was and the spectacle that we've done for women's rugby and Although we may have lost, actually, we've, we've still put the game in a very good place and in a very good light. And, you know, hopefully we have inspired more children to get involved and, and want to pick up a rugby ball. I'd, I'd certainly agree with that. I know, I know it's just wicked to lose it, but uh, I was with Brett Gosper, the chief exec of uh, World Rugby the other day, and he said that it was one of the five best test matches you'd ever seen. And I, I'd have to agree with that. So um, however much it hurts, uh, well done. And it was, uh, it was just brilliant to watch and, and the team were brilliant to, to deal with. Six nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. The Ruck Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Funding Circle and Saracens, British and Irish Lions, and England hooker Jamie George is with me to explain how Funding Circle are supporting small and medium-sized UK businesses. Because Jamie, you, as well as being a rugby player, are also a small business owner. Yeah, I own a business with uh, a good school friend of mine, Reese Carter. It's called Carter and George. We're a physiotherapy business. Uh, we've been up and running for about six years now. 
and sort of our strap line is delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. If you're looking to improve different parts of your business or hire talent with extra know-how, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Jamie, you want to do the sign-off for us? Absolutely. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how I'm growing my business backed by Funding Circle. Okay, you can move on now to um, from the Tyrrells to the Aviva. Alex, you just uh, crossed swords with Jim Mallinder at the start of the season. I understand that uh, you were at Northampton on Friday and were warmly welcomed by Jim. Um, but uh, joking apart, they looked far more like it, didn't they? Yeah, they, yeah, they did. I mean, Jim, after that first game at, at Twickenham where they shipped seven tries in the first half, he called his team soft. And, and it, he, he would have also read a lot, a lot of criticism of that performance, all of it, which was justified because they were woeful. Since since that day, they've they've responded defiantly, and, and their performance against Bath on on Friday night was 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 very very strong, led by Courtney Laws, who once again was was just was magnificent, stealing lineouts, carrying hard, making typical huge tackles. Um, Luther Burrell looks like the player he looked like before he got caught up in all the 2015 uh, Sam Burgess shenanigans before he got dropped by Eddie. Uh, from England, um, I thought he was sharp and bright and um, strong and, and looked very, very good. So yeah, so Northampton, having having had a, a shocking start to the season, have, have discovered themselves. They know what they're about, and, and they look like a, a team who who could really do something. Did, did, did the heart good to see Luther Brell playing like that because he was destroyed by Stuart Lancaster. Slotty uh, shock result for uh, Harlequins, but but a good one. Um, should Wasps have been miles ahead, and was it a great game or not? Yeah, Wasps should have uh, should have been ten points clear at half time. They they butchered two clear tries, uh, and then who knows whether we'd be praising Quinns for for the, for the way they dogged it out. Um, was it was it was it an epic? It, it was in terms of if you like really tetchy, competitive, angry players going nose to nose. It was in that respect, and there was a, there was a lot of good rugby there. There was a lot of good attacking from Wasps, which they couldn't finish off, and there was a lot of good defence as well. But you 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 don't agree that it was a good game. No, no, I didn't. I thought Walsh should should have won it actually, but I I I think the refereeing was completely unsatisfactory as well. It it was a really touchy game, and hmm. towards the end of that second half, the ref. I, I haven't seen a game for a, well, I can't remember a game where I've seen a ref with such a loose um, hand on control uh, of of the match. You you did not know where it was going. After half time, he had a word with himself, and he's better. But before that, he he nearly lost it. Rachel, a double uh, for Harlequins over Walsh. That must have been great. What do you think of the men's game? Yeah, I thought I actually really enjoyed uh, watching the game. I think when you get everybody thought that Wasp would win with, you know, the history of what they got and the exciting backline, I think that's why I really enjoy watching Wasp, the, the ability that they have in their backline to run decoys and suck in defences. And then when you've got people like Daly and Willie Ruru, um, you know, letting people like Wade and Marcus um, Watson into space, they can be really deadly. But on the flip side of that, you know, Quinns went there with their heart very much on their sleeve to to give everything that they could. And they went and met them and they didn't allow them to play because if you let them play, you, you saw that first try was, you know, it was sublime. It was a beautiful try scored on, on the outside by the backs. And if you allow them to do that, then they're going to destroy people. But Quinns, yeah, fair play to them. They they stopped that. Can we can we consider Quinns as, as, uh, as challenges or top four challenges now? I mean, the... They've got such a good squad and they've under underachieved for four years in a row now or something. They hate being called soft and they weren't soft yesterday. What do, what do we think? Panel? Get back in with Rachel now, clearly. 
Um, Arthur? Broken's too, too late for that. Arthur? Uh, I, I, you not, sorted that, Jonesy? Not yet. I still, I still think they're in that, that middle mix um, where you've, it's yet to find its its plateau, if you like. I mean, we, we we talked about Gloucester in the first week, who had a big win. Since since then, they've they've nosedived. Northampton have done the opposite. Harlequins um, have bounced back from that that first defeat to, to London Irish, and and, um, and they've responded positively. But I, I think it's too early to for me to to think they're challenging for for the top four. Okay, very quickly, just two more points. Two of the great rugby nations met on Saturday. One scored 57 points, the other got naught. Rachel, all blacks we know are great. Is it something bad about world rugby when South Africa concede 57 points? New Zealand are just on that roll at the moment. They're just a phenomenal side, which at the moment it feels like the gap is just getting bigger and bigger between them. The rest of the world, we kind of need to raise our game to to meet them at the, the same level that they're trying to compete at. Okay, I, I, I kind of take issue with that. I thought my colleague Barnsley wrote a fawning all-black piece in the, on the weekend. I just think you can't assess the all-blacks in terms of a dreadful side like South Africa. There we are, I'm, I'm like that. Did you that. read your fawning colleague Barnes today? Yes, I did, yeah. Well, he was on the money today. Yeah, the all-blacks are good and they're, they're, they're stretching ahead, arguably. But but that result was that was the ultimate proof of where the game is going in terms of South Africa and maybe Australia as well. The wealth of the game shifting to Europe, taking their best players away, leaving them denuded, and that's what you get. They, they can paper it over and beat some, beat some big international teams because they have so many decent players. But sometimes they're going to be just horribly exposed for what's happened to that nation's rugby, and that was it. Fair comment. Um, just moving on finally now, Rachel, um, you're coming back in a few weeks when your stand-down period's over. Are you stand looking for the podcast? Are you looking? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, are you looking you guys for have a stand-down period from the podcast? <laughs> I'm not getting any order at all here. Man of my, I should, you like that I've referee respect. yesterday. Sorry? Um, yeah, like the referee. Rachel, um, you're coming back in three weeks. you still got the hunger for it? Yeah, what? absolutely. I've had a really good time off um, and I know that I need to get back on the wagon now. Um, um, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to getting out there and playing again. Um, you know, your last game never defines you. It's always about the next one. That's a great line. Make a note of that. We lose lose that ourselves. And um, you're going to be working with your own academy, Burford Academy, and that is to, you're just going to sort of find out what direction that's going to go, but you basically coach and improve um, people of all levels, of all age groups. Yeah, um, I set up the Burford Academy last year and it's just to try and increase, um, you know, opportunity for young girls to come and learn and develop rugby, whether you're just picked up a rugby ball or you've got 10 years in it. Um, yeah, and just trying to develop them on the pitch and off the pitch as well, trying to help them with their self-esteem and confidence and, you know, just trying to give back to the sport that has genuinely given me so much. Well spoken. Um, where are we going on, on the weekend? I'm at um, Harlequins and Leicester. That I great Harley Quinn's team. I want to go to Rachel's Academy and get some more self-esteem. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But once I've done that, I'm going to go to Exeter Wasps, which is the um, a rerun of the um, Cup final last uh, from May. So that will be very interesting. Rachel, you've got uh, Loughborough? No, we have oh. um, Firewood. Um, oh. Waterloo. Waterloo. <laughs> Just ask me anything you want to know about the league, okay? <laughs> okay. Is that a way? Um, that's at home. That's, that's it, a sorry. Cup. Okay. Yeah. Alex? Oh, Jim Mallander will be delighted to hear that I'm going to London Hospital. He's, he's, he's asked for you personally. <laughs> Finally, just one one last thing. You just need to say it in one sentence if you like. Rachel, in all your experience, all your caps, 71 caps, is it? Four World Cups? Yeah, four World Cups. Who is the greatest player you've come across? Uh, for me, it'd be Kelly Brazier. 
from New Zealand. She's a really, really good technical and tactical player. Um, yeah, don't particularly like playing against her. Okay, well, Rachel's joined the Barnsley Falling Club then, but that's fair and that's a good one. I agree. With, I agree with that. And much more effective in the centre than fly half. Yes. Okay. Again, didn't want her to play at twelve in the World no, Cup sure. final. But <laughs> who, who are our heroes? Oh, in not so much rugby. Who's the great your hero journalist? Well, I just want to see how this plays out because Alex and I've got a deal here. So no, no, don't, uh, don't embarrass me. What? Don't no, embarrass me. We, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to embarrass you, right. but uh, Alex Lowe, he's my he's my hero. Okay, Alex. Um, Slotty. He, I've okay. always looked up ever since those days when he covered the Grand National for the Sunday Telegraph and turned it around in 45 minutes. You see, Alex is a good judge of a journalist. <laughs> yeah, OK, so you think it's Slotty and you think it's Arthur. <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing how that happened. Okay. John has to have another go at that. No, I'm just going to buy a packet of Walker's crisps, though. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening and downloading us. Uh, Wherever you go in rugby in the next week, hope it's lovely, hope you have great experiences, meet great people. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thank uh, you. Can I, just, can I just interrupt before we go, Steve? What was who was who was your selection of, of ultimate? I'm not descending writer? into this loving, loving. Um, my 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 favourite journalist ever is Norman Mayer, magnificent okay. essayist for the on on the Scotsman. Who on the morning of internationals sometimes. It was far more enjoyable to read Norman's big, long, rambling piece in The Scotsman than it was actually to go to the match. And I now declare the love-in between Arthur and Slotty closed. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> you fixed that between... Thanks for listening to The Ruck Podcast. We're delighted to be teaming up with Funding Circle. Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses with access to the finance they need to grow since 2010. They know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive and a good team supporting you. And they're working with England and Saracens hooker Jamie George to help him build his business. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. If you want to invest in your business and take your team to the next level, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Funding Circle. Business finance that backs you. The biggest rugby tournament of the year is coming to a Green King pub near you. Watch all the unmissable action live as Europe's top six battle it out for glory in the Six Nations tournament. In and out, in and out, for the line! Leave your rivalries at the door and get the team together to watch the Six Nations. Feel the excitement and the buzz of coming together to enjoy matchday food and drink at your nearest Green King sports pub. Scores in the corner! The Six Nations and Green King. 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs>